There's one more song we'll sing at the end, and that's the title of our message tonight. Trust and obey, for there's no other way. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis 22, you have one of the great sections and stories and scenes of of the Scriptures. It's one of those special moments in God's Word. Uh, Someone has said, uh, so long as men live in the world, they will turn uh, turn to this story with unwaning interest. Uh, It's a story of length and depth and height of one man's consecration to God. Old-time preachers used to talk about teetotalers. And uh, that usually had a reference to total abstinence from alcoholic beverages. But you know, it also has a meaning of just being total or complete. A teetotaler is someone who is total and complete. I think Abraham would probably fit into this category. Man totally yielded to God and obedient to God. Down in verse 18, there are five words that are at the heart of this chapter. And you might take note of them as we look at chapter 22. There's five words in verse 18. Thou hast obeyed my voice. Thou hast obeyed my voice. Now that beyond, uh, above everything else, is a, uh, we have here a story of obedience. In fact, this is the first time you're going to have the word obedience in the Bible. When you study Genesis, you have a lot of firsts. And this is one of those firsts that you have. First time you hear the word obedience. In fact, in Genesis 22, we find several other words occurring for the first time in the Bible. We find the word love. We find the word worship. We find the word fear. If you really want to know what real obedience is, here is both the demonstration and the definition. And I can't help but feel that all these words are connected. If a person loves and fears and worships God, they will obey Him. Someone has said every great person first learned how to obey whom to obey, and when to obey. You often hear people say, I don't want to do what God wants me to do. And I wonder sometimes if they really mean that. Would you obey God no matter what, or when, or where, or why? Well, let's examine our desire to obey God by the example of obedience that we see here in Abraham. Again, this is one of those great mountaintop passages of the Bible. In it we find one of the clearest pictures of the coming sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. It seems as though God used the life of Abraham as a canvas to paint a portrait of his own heart as he willingly gave his own beloved son to die for the sin of man. And this is usually how we approach this passage, and yet there's another dimension to this text. And I would like to look at this passage tonight from Abraham's perspective. As I read the Bible, I'm 
confronted with the truth that no other man was called upon to give so much. Yet as Abraham's sacrifice to the Lord is offered, we do not see the heart of a devastated, broken man. Instead, we see the heart of a worshiper. I believe there's some lessons that we can learn from Abraham. You know, as you pass uh, through this life, there are going to be demands made upon your life by God, and often these demands will call for personal and profound sacrifice on your part. From a human perspective, we may not want to participate in what God calls us to do. And yet God demands from our lives and total, absolute, unquestioning obedience to His perfect will. In 1 Samuel 15, 22, it says there, And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So even though we know this, there is still a part of us that wants to rebel against the commands that God has for our lives. Notice with me, first of all, tonight, as we look at this passage, beginning in chapter 22 and verse 1, the length, the length of faith. The length of faith involves perception. The length of faith involves perception. It says in verse 1, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here am I, or here I am. There are times that God makes us put our money where our mouth is, so to speak. We say that we will obey God and God puts us to the test to see if we really mean what we say. When he uses the word tempt here, it means to prove. It means to put to the test. God put the length of Abraham's obedience to the test. Or as to say it another way, God put Abraham to the test to see just how far he would obey him. What lengths will you go to in the matter of obedience? Well, we must be, first of all, in a position to hear God. We must be in a position to hear God. And the first thing that that demands is a relationship. In order to be in position to hear God, you have to have a relationship with God. Abraham had come to know the Lord back in Genesis chapter 12. And the reality of his conversion is revealed in Genesis chapter 15. Their relationship had been often rocky, Uh, As you have seen so far in our study, there have been some ups and downs. Abraham was not perfect, but he knew the Lord. And I trust each one of you have a relationship with the Lord tonight. You know Him. There's no doubt that in your relationship with the Lord, it has some rocky times as well. But be that as it may, there's still a relationship 
And when we're saved, we need to bow to His will. So this demands a relationship. Secondly, this demands a readiness. A readiness. As soon as God speaks, Abraham responds. This implies that he had been listening for, for the voice of the Lord. And he wasn't disappointed. God is on the lookout for people who want a deep, close relationship with him. If we ever get hungry for the Lord, you will not be disappointed. This demands a readiness. Thirdly, it demands a revelation. It demands a revelation. God revealed His plan to Abraham. He revealed His plan for his life. This was a necessary part of the process. For no man can know the mind of God until it is revealed to man by God. Notice, first of all, how God defines his commands, how God defines His commands. He said, Thou, or th- uh, t- uh, in verse 2, He said, Take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest. Abraham's son, Ishmael, had already been sent away at this point. And the command comes that Isaac would be taken away as well. And so really what God is doing, he's asking for Abraham for everything he had. All his hopes, his dreams, his plans now are bound up in Isaac. And he says, give it all to me. And so God wants nothing less than everything. Notice not only how God defines his commands, how God details his commands. God is very precise about what Abraham is to do here. When God speaks, He may not reveal every detail of His plan, but your next step will always be made clear. And then we notice how God darkens His commands. God does not explain why to us, because does the why really even matter? It shouldn't. Faith knows the path of God always leads to good for us and glory for Him. So as we look at Abraham, we not only see the position to hear, but we see the act of obedience. The act of obedience. The position to hear, then the act of obedience. And I want you to notice that his act here of obedience was immense. It was immense. Someone has said, our faith is not really tested until God asks us to bear what seems unbearable. Do what seems unreasonable and expect what seems impossible. The who of God's command involves the unbearable and the what of God's command involved the unreasonable. What was it that God asked of Abraham? Well, He asked him to offer him as a burnt offering. Again, He says in verse 2, And He said, Take now thy son, thine only son, whom thou lovest, and get thee into a land, the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Now that it was to be a burnt offering is made very clear to us here. In fact, six times in this chapter, the burnt offering is mentioned. And I think that's very significant because the burnt offering was the most gruesome of the Levitical offerings. The offerer would bring the sacrifice 
would cut the throat of the sacrifice and drain the blood from the body. And then the body would be skinned and afterward carefully dissected. And then the pieces would be placed on the altar to be consumed by the fire. Afterward, the ashes would be carried to a separate place. So you need to think about what God is asking of Abraham. He's asking him to cut his own son's throat. Drain the blood from his body. Dissect the body and place it upon an altar to be consumed by fire. And then gather his son's ashes and bury them in a separate place. And this was an unprecedented request on the part of God. It was indeed an immense act of obedience. Did Abraham obey God? Well, we also see here that Abraham's part of this act of obedience was not only immense, but it was immediate. Notice verse 3. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Abraham didn't fight, he didn't argue, he didn't fear, he didn't flee. There doesn't seem to be any indication that he argued here with God, or wrestled with God, or with what God had asked him to do. He obeyed God's command to the detail, and this was an immediate response following God's command. And we see the spirit of obedience when he heard God's word. Back in verse 1, he responded to God's voice by saying, Behold, here I am. He had heard God's voice on other occasions, and even before he knew what God was going to ask him here, he's already expressing his submissiveness to him. Obedience was a settled thing in his heart. And I doubt that he had any idea what God was really asking of him. And yet his reply indicated that he was ready to obey. Now we see the steps of obedience when he heeded God's will. In verse 3, he sets out early in the morning, having with, uh, with all he needed to obey God's command. Obedience was shown in his life. And again, the question is, what is the length of our obedience? Would we obey God no matter what He asked? Or would we put up an argument? Would we say, well, are you sure, God, this is what you want me to do? Why do I have to do this? Is there submissiveness to God's word, God's will? Are we willing to obey it no matter what? If God was able to, which He is able, but if He took the opportunity to speak to you right now, just like he did to Abraham, would you say, Behold, here I am. In all honesty, that's the kind of obedience that God desires. But notice not only the length of the believer following God, the length of the believer's faith, but secondly, notice the depth. The depth of faith involves preparation. The depth of faith involves preparations. Now I want you to hear notice two things in this particular section. First of all, the surrender of Abraham's faith. The surrender of Abraham's faith. As we observe 
Abraham doing what the Lord commanded, we see a man who, first of all, has faith to be thoroughly prepared. Three areas in which Abraham made the preparations. First of all, his hands were prepared. His hands were prepared. We see that in verse 3 again. Abraham wasted no time, but got himself up, gathered everything he would need. He left nothing out, but he took nothing extra. There was an urgency to the command of God. The moment he calls, the moment uh, Abraham acted, and that's the way it should be in our life as well. Procrastination has caused the death of many profound spiritual experiences. We miss out because we hesitate. Someone has said, if anything is worth doing for the Lord, it's worth doing right. Well, his hands were prepared. Secondly, his head was prepared. Notice verse 4. It says, and on the third day of Abraham, on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Abraham had three days and three nights to think about what was going to happen. To him, it must have made no sense at all. And yet we're told that he questioned God about it. All he knew was Isaac was the future according to Genesis chapter 17. God wanted Isaac back and even though he couldn't make it add up mentally by faith, Abraham was willing to obey God. This is the key to consistent spiritual victory. We're called to walk by faith. Romans 1.17 says, The just shall live by faith. May God help us to come to the place where even when God's commands make absolutely no sense, we still obey Him without question, without reservation. His hands were prepared, His head was prepared, and thirdly, His heart was prepared. We see that there in the second part of verse 5. And I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Abraham knew why he was there. He was there to offer his beloved son to God. He was there to give everything that was present in that day and all that was promised for tomorrow. Yet he looked at it as the service of worship. How would you define worship? Well, it is ascribing worth to someone. Worship is taking place, uh, taking a place of absolute hum- humility before God, thereby leaving Him alone in the place of exaltation. And so Abraham viewed God as being worthy of receiving all that he had without question or without reservation. So how could he do this? Well, because Abraham knew God always honors His Word. His great statement there uh, of faith, down in verse, uh, or in verse, uh, verse 5, says, I and the lad will go yonder and worship, and notice there, he says, come again. We'll come again unto you. This is the place that God would have us all come to. He wants you and me in the place of, uh, in life where no one or no thing in our lives is more precious to us than He is. I wonder tonight, can you honestly say that God is more important to you tonight than anything else in your life? 
And we need to be careful before we answer that. Have we honestly come to the place of total, absolute surrender to God? If we ever do, you will learn that you have no rights, no possessions, no positions, nothing but Him and His will for your life. Now the reason Abraham's following of God was his faith in God. This was the foundation to his willingness to obey God. And I want you again to notice those words, and we'll come again unto you. Abraham intended in offering his son as a burnt offering, but fully expected to return with his son. So we see the surrender of Abraham's faith. Secondly, then, the other thing we see here is the strength of Abraham's faith. First of all, he had strength in God's provision. We read that in verse uh, 7 and 8. Well, let's read verse 6. And Abraham took the wood of burnt offering and laid it up upon Isaac his son and took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they both went, uh, both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for the burnt offering. So they went both of them together. Abraham believed that God would provide. So we see God's provision here. He had strength in God's provision. But then he had faith in God's promise. He had faith in God's promise. We read in Hebrews 11, verse 17 through 19, By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. He knew that God had promised that Isaac was the chosen seed, and from his seed would come, and that could never happen if he were dead. Abraham was ready to actually go through with the killing of his son, but he knew that if God kept his promise, he would raise Isaac from the dead. He had faith in what God promised. Now, if you don't believe that God is able to provide, that he will keep his promises, then your faith is weak. If your faith is weak, your willingness to obey will be weak. But if you're firmly convinced that God will provide and will do everything he promised, there will be fear in obeying him. Obedience comes down to whether or not we have faith in God. So we see the length of the believers following God, the depth of the believers' faith in God. Thirdly, we see the height of faith. The height of faith, and this involves participation. The height of faith involves participation. Now in Abraham's case, we see that there will be a greater revelation of God. A greater revelation. The great revelation of God came because of Abraham's participation. Notice, first of all, the participation is personal. We saw this in verse 6. Abraham personally placed the wood on Isaac. He personally took the fire and the knife, and he personally led the way. For Abraham, this was an event of personal commitment and sacrifice. God was determined that you and I are to 
personally and intimately be involved in his service and his worship. Caleb was an example of this in Joshua. Jesus himself was an example of this. The question is, are we personally, intimately involved with God and his work? So the participation is personal. Secondly, the participation is profound. We've read verse 7 and 8, but look at verse 9. It says, And it came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there, and laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Abraham willingly and completely obeyed the command of God. He held nothing back. He gave up everything that he had longed for, and lived for, and loved for the simple command of God. What an act of love and worship. His participation was profound. Thirdly, his participation is powerful. Notice verse 11. And the angel of the Lord called upon him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him, for now I know that thou fearest God, seest that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes, and behold, and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up as for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Abraham's participation was powerful because he gave God an opportunity, in a sense, who could say, to flex his muscles. He gave Abraham the opportunity to receive the special blessings that he would otherwise have missed out on. Now, what did he receive? Well, he received God's provision. Abraham gave up Isaac and got back again what he had given to God. Simply put, Abraham's faith honored God. In turn, God honored Abraham's faith. He also received God's praise. Abraham got to hear uh, the Lord say, I'm pleased with you. These verses point out the purpose behind this whole episode. It was never about Isaac. It was always about Abraham. God wanted Abraham in the place of total surrender and love for him. And that's what he wants from you and me tonight. When when God's commands call for sacrifice, it has nothing to do with what we are told to give up. It has everything to do with our being willing to give in and simply obey God. Thirdly, he received God's promise. You see here, God is renewing His covenant with Abraham. It's a reminder that the condition of our relationship is still intact. God knew what Abraham would do. He put him to the test. He was brought to the place uh, of blessing, place of peace, a place of provision, a place of promise, because He put God ahead of everything else in His life. 
And so we find here that there is a greater revelation of God through this experience. But we also find there's a glorious reward from God. We learn from this passage that God will richly reward those who are obedient to him. God paid a compliment, a great compliment to Abraham. He spoke of how his obedience was true. As the song says, when we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. There's a missionary translator who was trying to find a word for obedience in the native language. And among the people he was working, obedience was a virtue seldom practiced. One afternoon he was walking through the village and he whistled for his dog and it came running at full speed. An old native seeing this said, your dog is all ear." Immediately, the missionary knew that he had found the word for obedience. During the war between the states, General Lee sent word to Stonewall Jackson that he rode in a direction of the headquarters. He would be glad to see him on a matter of no great importance. And when Jackson received the message, he immediately prepared to leave the next morning, rising very early, he rode eight miles to Lee's headquarters against the storm of wind and snow, and he arrived just as Lee was finishing breakfast, and Lee was greatly surprised, and he asked Jackson why he had come through such a storm, and Jackson replied, he said, you wish to see me, sir. Your slightest wish is a supreme command to me. And the question is again tonight, so is everything we have, and we are, totally, absolutely, completely surrendered to God. God isn't interested in your Isaacs. He's interested in your submissive surrender to Him. Does He have all of you and that all that you have? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the example that we're given here with Abraham and how we've been able to look at the length, the depth, and the height of his faith. And Lord, we pray that in our lives, we too would realize the importance of giving our all to Thee. And we pray, Lord, that uh, the message and the Word of God would be in our hearts throughout this week as we go about the work that you've given us to do. Do you have everything from us? Or are we holding back? Are we saving some back for ourselves? Lord, impress this message upon our hearts tonight, this, this thought of total, complete surrender and obedience to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.